All right, if you have the Word of God in whatever form you have it, uh, if you would please turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Mark 9, 43. Jesus is talking here, and tell you the truth, I've been confused about these verses, so I decided, hey, maybe the Lord will help me figure it out and I can speak on it. So I am. Mark 9, 43. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its, his saltness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourself, and have peace one with another. These last two verses... I really didn't go into a lot, but salt is a preservative. And the Word of God has been preserved for us. And part of that is preachers that have the seasoning, the salt of the Word of God, have been faithful to preach the Word of God. Every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. If you go into the Old Testament, the sacrifices for the priests, were salted with salt. They got to eat a tenth of the sacrifice that, that was given. And naturally, God wanted the priest's work to go on, to be preserved. And it is today we are considered priests and kings along with for our God. So... It, Everyone shall be salted with fire. Salting is a sprinkling also. And you may have felt some of that in your life if you've been through conflict and stuff. It helps you grow. It helps you grow closer to the Lord. So it makes us better to be salted a little bit with fire. Paul said to me one day on the phone, he said, this is a fire that he's going through for his purifying. And it is drawing him closer to the Lord. So the Lord obviously has us go through these things for a reason. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltness, wherewith we season it, have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another let Saul improve your answer to men. In Colossians uh, 4, 6, we learn that. 
Your speech should taste better with salt. You should be more edifying to people and not offensive. In these verses, if we go back and see where, what happened just before, Jesus was talking to his disciples about a dispute they had, which one should be greatest. Jesus pointed out that we are not called to rise above others, but to serve. The greatest among us are the ones that serve. And you're in your proper place when you serve. We should not offend, but receive the least of us who believe in Jesus. In 39, or in 38, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followed not us. And we forbade him because he followed not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do the miracles in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. He that is not against us is on our part. That speaks to the fact that there's other churches. You can go different places. You can see things for the Lord going on. And we're not to put them down. We're not to offend them. Verse 42, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he were cast into the sea. So Jesus teaches of the offense. In, in these verses, he says offense, the offense of the hand, the foot, the eyes. So Jesus teaches of the offense, which really is sin. What is offensive to God is sin. And he teaches about sin and the penalty for sin. This message is evangelistic. Well, how can it be? I don't see the gospel. And where... They, they aren't speaking of Jesus. Well, the main character in the gospel message is actually speaking this to us. So we got it here. Mark 9:42. Don't offend believers in Jesus Christ. If that is your intent, it's better that you were at the bottom of the sea. Okay? James 3:2. For in many things we offend all. And it's not difficult to offend people. I mean, basically, if you speak all day long to people, you might offend someone. But James says, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in words, the same as a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So the offense deals with the whole body, the hand, the foot, the eyes, what you say. We should not be like the world, like the lost. We should be like saved. We should be like saved people, saved from that, saved from the world. We should watch what we say. Our words say a lot. Our words speak well to what is in our heart. So when we talk, a lot of people can read our heart, what's inside of us. And that's why we should speak the word of God. Then people might see that God is inside of us. According to Matthew 12, 37, 
Your words have a part in your justification and your condemnation. For by thy words thou shalt be condemned, and by thy words thou shalt be justified. So what say you? Well, we need to think before we speak. Use your words wisely. Speak about, think about what you say. Think before you speak. I've heard that a long time, forever. Think before you speak because words mean something. Words do mean something. There's a book written about what words mean. It's a dictionary, so words mean something. So let's look at what Jesus says and the words he uses here. What I've had trouble with at times over this is a couple things. One, the term, their worm dieth not. I'm thinking, whose worm? What do they mean, worm? Their worm dieth not. And the other thing is, it seems like Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to go to heaven, cut off your hand that offends you. You can go to heaven. Cut off your foot that offends you. You can go to heaven. Pluck out your eye that offends you. You can go to heaven. So I was having a little trouble in my mind uh, going through this. So there's a choice here, an eternal choice. I'm speaking on how this is evangelistic, how it speaks of the gospel. There's a choice. Enter into life or enter into death. The eternal fire, hell, it's, it's both ways here. Also a companion uh, place in scriptures, Matthew 18. It's, it's in there too. So that is what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. It gives us a choice. We have options, and I'm glad we have options, because I was going down the road not even knowing where I was going, and I didn't know I had options. I thought I'd be a good boy, and that'll do it. The two options, heaven, which is life, hell, which is death. And both of them are eternal, by the way. Both of them last and last. It's a death. You die but you keep on dying, or you live, and you keep on living. There's the opportunity of salvation here, to enter, enter into life, to enter into the kingdom of God. According to Mark 10, 25 and 26, to be saved is the same as to enter into the kingdom of God and just my simple thought on that is, to me, the kingdom of God is a kingdom where God is king. So that's how I think of that. That's the kingdom I want. The kingdom where God is king. The kingdom of heaven is a place where God is king. So I have a short version of those two terms. There is a recognition here of sin in, the, in these verses. This would be all that offends God. Sin offends God. Sin is offense in, an offense to God. And sin should be offense, an offense to all of us if we're, if we're trying to live for the Lord, if we know Jesus as our Savior. Sin should offend us as well. So ask yourself, does sin offend me? Or does Jesus 
offend you. There was a time when I, hearing about Jesus offended me. But since I got saved, then hearing about Jesus doesn't offend me. Lots of things in the world offend me. You can hardly go through a day in this world without being offended by the things of this world. In Matthew eleven six, Jesus said and taught, but there is a blessing when you are not offended in Jesus. You have a blessing when the world offends you, but Jesus doesn't. There's, there's not an offense in Jesus. That's a blessing in your life. Do you know what is going to happen at the end, at the time of the harvest of the world? Matthew 13, 41. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom, out of his kingdom, all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Why are they there, these that offend, these that are do, doing iniquity? These are the religious who are trying to get in heaven by their own works. That they're like weeds, that's why they're around. They need to be born again. They need to be one to the Lord. And that is going around, around us all the time. Religion is, is all around us. Revelation eleven fifteen, there will be a cleansing of the kingdoms of this world one day, and they will become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. Sin will be dealt with. Believe that, it will. It will be dealt with. All that offends God will be dealt with. And the only one by whom the offense came, he'll be dealt with too. Satan will be dealt with. The one who was found with iniquity in him, he'll be taken care of. He's going to reach his bitter end. In a place made for him, which is what is talked about here, the place made for him, and his angels, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Which brings us to the phrase that Jesus uses three times here and causes me to ponder and study the scripture. Now, does the words of Jesus ever cause curiosity to you enough to open up the book and study the word? Jesus tells us to study the scripture in John 5.39. We're to study to show ourselves approved unto God. That's who, whose approval we want. We want to be approved unto God. So here's a phrase, where their worm dieth not. Now I get the part where God can keep the fire kindled, okay? But this, their worm dieth not first, the worm, uh, what does a worm represent? Who, who's a worm, you know? Got worms or got Jesus? Which do you have? <laughs> got, got both, maybe. We have the old man and the new man, right? There's that thing going on with, with two spirits. We have the old man and new man. Basically, okay, here's, here's my... When I think of worm, I have a pretty uh, just natural concept of it because that's what I know about worms. And, you know, when I get to thinking about it, there's in this song, Would a Sovereign God Be So Determined to Bleed and Die 
die for such a worm as I, like we just sang. And that's something, you know, that God created everything and he made us the crowning jewel, but then we are determined to be dirty, filthy, dark, and all this because of our sin, because we turn from God. And yet, he would die for us. A sovereign God would come and bleed out for us. The song's incredible because it talks about that truth. So how low can you go? This guy seems to be about the lowest of all living creatures, the way I look at it. His life is all about dirt. He lives in the dirt. He doesn't see a lot of light. He likes darkness. He's good to help us catch a fish. Lynn and I go fishing, and he, he works good for that. But it's a dirty job, putting a dirty yellow hook, uh, fish, uh, yeah, fish, a uh, worm on the hook. There we go. If he tries, okay, this worm, if he tries to come up, if he tries to raise his standard of living, and he reaches the heights of a sidewalk, let's say, he dies. And so he's a pretty low creature. Well, I don't know about y'all, but in my flesh, I'm a pretty low creature. And remember, my flesh came from the same place where you find these worms, down there in the dirt. That's where my flesh came from. God formed man from the dust of the earth. We had no life until God breathed into us his life, which, by the way, if, he, if God breathes into you his breath, and God is eternal, guess what about the breath he breathes into you? Yeah, it's eternal. It doesn't end. So God formed us, breathed into us a breath of life. That is the same with us today, as Jesus said to Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I want to enter the kingdom of God. I really do. Considering the fire that shall never be quenched. Yeah, I want to enter the kingdom of God, where God reigns in my life. I want, I want God to be God. He takes us from the lowest form of life to the highest what a lift station. <laughs> Stop there on your way through life, really. Get a real facelift. Face life as a child of the king. Do you want to live the low life or the high life? Which? Okay, that's me looking at a worm. What does the Bible say about a worm? The first place you find worm, it is plural. It is plural. So is that. The worms get into the manna that God provided to feed his people, and it stunk. Look, being disobedient to God causes his blessing to go unappreciated. You don't feel the blessing God has for you if you're going to be disobedient. They were supposed to eat it all. You know, worms are associated with the curse and the offense of sin. They make God's blessing stink. 
Here's the key. We need to obey God and appreciate his blessing. Job 17, 14. I have said to corruption, thou art my father. To the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. Whoa, what a nice upstanding family, huh? Job 19, 26. And though after my flesh... Worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He must have a new body coming, I would say. That's the way it looks to me. And that's the teaching of the Bible. And Job knew that. How about this? The Bible asks the question, how can man be justified with God? The stars are not pure in his sight. How much less man that is a worm? There you go. We just got called a worm. No wonder our bodies go back to the dirt. You know that there is this thing called wormwood in the Bible. It's a star named wormwood, a burning star that fell from heaven. <clears throat> Strong's describes it as bitterness and calamity. Well, no wonder it has worm in its name, so it's not going to stand very tall very long. So the, the worm reminds us that we are going back to the dirt because of our sin, because we are offensive to God who is holy. In our passage, we see that our worm dieth not. Our sin, our offense to God, needs to be dealt with. What does the Bible say is a penalty of our sin? Death. Death? Yeah, death. So if God breathed into us his life, and he is eternal, that is, never-ending, then it stands to reason that the life that God breathed into us is never-ending. So... When man sinned and walked away from God and died, that would most likely be an eternal death. Never-ending death. A death that keeps going. <clears throat> Where their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. Dying doesn't come to an end. The fires are not quenched. The penalty for this crime against God, this, the sentence, the sentence by the judge of the universe is eternal torment. That is death. Well, the wages of sin is death. So it's payday. Isaiah 66, 24. Isaiah 66, 24. I'm just going to read it from the Word of God. And they shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me. For their worm shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring to all flesh. Wow. Jesus knows the Bible. 
Jesus knows the word of God. That's just what he said. Well, here's a key. Jesus is the Bible. Jesus is the word of God. The term there, worm dieth not. Okay, worm represents our sin, our corruption, our offenses. Now, who are they that have this low life that dieth not? Matthew helps us with that. Matthew 18:7, Woe unto the world because of offenses. Woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. It appears to me that that man would be Satan, the devil. The snake that deceived Eve, the one that has to crawl around like a worm, this is the one that is our father until we're born again. He is, he is the one whose family we are in until we're born again. This is the prince of the power of the air of this world where we walked in our past. Who are they with this worm of corruption? The lost, all of us in our old state. So quit crawling around in the dirt and in darkness. 1 John 1, 7, get up and walk in the light as he is in the light. Here's something else you probably noticed. The three named offenses comes from the hand, the foot, and the eye. If thy, foot, if, if thy hand offend thee, if thy foot offend thee, if thy eye offend thee. In the world, these can be offenses to God, the hand, the foot, and the eye. And if you're in Christ, it could offend you too. 1 John 2.16 has the three things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So to me, there seems to be a similarity here of these three things. The hand represents the work you do. And what you do with your hands can offend God. The work you do can offend God. You can be working for things you lust after or the bank account you want. And this is offensive to God. The hand. The foot. The foot is your walk. The foot is your walk. And that how you walk determines where you're going. Are you going in God's direction or not? Are you His? Are you walking in Him? Are you walking humbly? Micah 6.8 says we should walk humbly with our God. You know, Adam, before he fell, he got to walk with God every day. And we can walk with God in Christ. We can walk with God. Adam walked with God and was not, for God took him. So, these things, the hand, the foot, and the eyes, looks like they line up pretty well with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the, and the pride of life. 
which are the things that are in the world that cause us problems. Jesus takes a look at each one of these and gives us good advice in the choices we make. He said, it is better to cut off your hand that offends and enter into life maimed than to go to hell. It is better to cut off your foot that offends and enter into life maimed than to go to hell. It is better to take out your eye that offends and enter into life than go to hell. Hey, I agree with all these men. I would cut off my hand before I'd go to hell or cut off my foot or take out an eye. I agree with the Lord on, on that right there. Yeah, I agree. I would say that sacrificing any part of my body and going to heaven wounded would be better than going into hell whole and in one, one piece. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Do you know that what Jesus did for people physically, he also did for us spiritually? He healed people. You see that everywhere. And he healed our sickness. He healed our sin. You know, he had compassion on the lame, the blind, all kinds of diseases. He healed their brokenness. He had compassion on us and healed our brokenness, our brokenness because of sin. Look, here's the deal. Jesus sacrificed his entire body to give us life so that we don't have to cut off our hand or cut off our foot or pluck out any particular part to enter into life. We do need to enter into life maimed. We do. That's how we enter into life, maimed. We come to Jesus with our sin. We are maimed. We are hurting. We come to Jesus in, with our sin. So we do indeed enter into life maimed. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to fix up ourselves, stop our hand from offending, our foot from offending, our eye from offending. He came to us where we are. The invitation song says, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Here's a conclusion. What do we take away from what Jesus is teaching? Well, my heart aches for the lost. I don't know about you. What I am taking away from this is, gee, I don't think I am walking humbly enough before the Lord to see the lost and reach out and tell them about Jesus like I should. Maybe I'm not quite seeing them like I should, that there's this place where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. See, because the way our sin 
is dealt with and our offense is dealt with, it's that worm is a picture of it that doesn't die and yet it's dying. I guess you could say it dieth not because it doesn't reach the end of dying. <laughs> it keeps on dying. But Jesus paid the price for us. So my heart aches, aches for the lost who can have this healing, who can have life. And if they want to, they don't need to be a worm in a picture. They try to enter in on their own works, work hard to be good and cut off what is bad. They try to do that. They try to clean up their life, thinking God will like me now. Hey, come to Jesus and lay your offense, your offensive sins down. Really, I don't want anyone to go to this place. That's what this taught me reading this. I really don't want anyone to go to this place. Why I don't do more about it, I hope I do when I leave here. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The same Jesus that tells us about this place is the same Jesus that loves us enough to do something, everything, to keep us from there. We should have enough love for him to tell folks about him. Isn't that a good way to show our love for Jesus? Tell folks about him. I mean, when he was here, he spent a lot of time teaching people and giving them the truth. If we're going to be his followers, I would say we should speak about Jesus. Mark 1.7, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. When I go fishing with Linda, we take worms. It's a little dirty job working with worms to catch fish. Sometimes we have to, wor to use a worm as bait. And I got to thinking, maybe because we came from there, we have a background of being a worm ourselves, <laughs> maybe we could use ourselves to fish for men and be fishers of men. We have the background. We're worms. <laughs> so, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So, you know, we don't need to walk around proud of who we are. Let's humble ourselves and let him lift us up. If we feel like a worm someday, well, win someone to the Lord. Let God lift us up. Revelation 1.6, look. He has made us kings and priests. That's what he's made us from worm to kings and priests. Let's not leave others behind. Why would we? Why would we leave someone behind with such a good thing? Part of the thrill of life in Christ 
is to see others receive it. I mean, yeah. This message of my loving Savior and Lord Jesus Christ makes me want to do more. When the confusion comes out of it, when God sets your mind straight on what's going on, he touches your heart, and you want to do more. So my prayer is that if we are in Christ, if we know him as, a, as our Savior, we want to do more. That's my prayer.